As I looked through the scripture, I saw three traps that keep us from overcoming adversity. And I'm so excited today to talk about each one of those traps and how we identify them and how we avoid them so that we can overcome adversity. Let's talk about that today. Hi, I'm Joseph Walter, and this is Loving Theology. So last time we talked about how God works all things for our good, and I'll put a link for that post in case you missed it. We obviously saw in there that God does work good for us in the midst of our suffering. But we also saw that our response enables us to receive that good that he has for us in the midst of it. What that means, though, is that depending on how we respond determines whether that suffering produces good for us or produces harm. Today, let's get specific on what things keep us from receiving the good that God has for us in the midst of our hardship. What keeps us from overcoming adversity? The first trap that I'd like to talk about is the trap of bitterness. Let me read this verse out of Hebrews 12, starting in verse 15. It says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Now, whenever we experience suffering, it can be hard not to become bitter, especially whenever we know that God did in some way allow the suffering to experience. Not that he caused it, but he, even that he allowed it that can still tempt us to become bitter, even bitter with God. Now, in our last series, we talked about how God does allow suffering in our lives, and we talked about why he does that. I'll put a link for that series in case that might be helpful to you. Now, what is uh, the, the author of Hebrews, what is he talking about whenever he says the root of bitterness? He's referring to a verse in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 29, starting in verse 18, it says this, Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit, one who when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of the moist and dry alike. This verse in Deuteronomy spells out someone who says that they'll be safe because they trust in the promise of God, but they walk in their own stubbornness. And I think that this is so insightful about how this bitterness develops in us, especially when we take it and apply it to the verse and the promise that we saw last week that God works all things for our good. If we trust in that promise, but we don't satisfy the condition of that promise, which is that we love God and that we're looking for his instruction in the midst of it so that we can receive the good that God has for us in suffering. Well, then at that point, we're walking in our own stubbornness. We're not listening for God's direction. And because of that, we're unable to receive the promise. We're unable to receive the good that God has for us in the midst of it. And there's nothing that produces bitterness like expecting something good and instead receiving harm. So this bitterness can and will rob us of the good that God has for us. But both of these verses also warn about the harm that bitterness can produce for others as well. In Hebrews, it talks about how many can become defiled by it. And in Deuteronomy, it talks about how it can lead, lead to the sweeping away of the moist and dry alike. And, and one way to understand that is those inside the church and outside the church. So we saw in our last series, and I'll put a link for one of the videos up above that talks about this, that suffering can produce good for us, but it can also produce good for others. And I think these verses serve as a warning that the opposite is true as well. Whenever we allow bitterness, then that bitterness can produce harm for us, but it can also produce harm for others as well. Now, I said that there were three traps that keep us from overcoming adversity. And we've talked about the first one, but now I'd like to move on to the others. And I'd actually like to talk these, about these next two traps together because they're so closely related. That is the trap of weariness and the trap of apathy. Let me read you this verse out of Hebrews 12, 5. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Now, when suffering lasts, or it seems like we go through one hardship after another, 
it's very understandable that that makes us weary. It makes us tired. Um, but the problem is that as we get tired of the suffering, we slowly stop listening for God's instruction in the midst of it. We basically just want it to stop. And as a result, that weariness produces the same impact that apathy does. We regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. So whether it's because we're tired or because we simply just don't care enough anymore, we're no longer looking for the good that God has for us in the midst of suffering. Instead, we basically just want it to end. We want it to be over. Now, if that's how you feel, like I said, it's totally understandable. And if, and if you're feeling tired, uh, I maybe want to point you to our series on rest, and I'll put a link for it above so that maybe you can find some sense of rest and refreshment, even in the midst of what you're going through. Now, here's the danger of these two traps of weariness and apathy is that we start to look to alleviate our suffering in some other way, that rather than looking for the good that God has in the midst of it, we just want to turn it off. And that can look like a number of things. Maybe we turn to alcohol or to sex. And I, I don't just mean sexual immorality, although that as well, but even sex within marriage. Or maybe something more innocuous, like um, maybe a new TV show or some other form of distraction or just even making ourselves busy so that we can avoid the suffering that we're feeling and, and feel it just kind of, like I said, just turn off for a minute. And maybe at first that doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but it's in reference to this that right after warning about bitterness, Hebrews says this and warns us to not be sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. That's in Hebrews 12, verse 16. And this word unholy comes from the Greek root babelos, and it describes um, how something is profaned by the way that it is accessed. And in our context here, this is really insightful because while God made these things for us to enjoy, God wants us to enjoy them, we can profane that intention, that good purpose that he had by the way that we access it. Whenever we use these things to avoid engaging with God in the midst of suffering, we take what God made holy and make it unholy. Now, like I said, God did give us these things to enjoy, and he even gave us the instructions on how to access them properly so that we can fully enjoy pleasure and fully be satisfied in that. I'll put a link for that video up above so that you can watch more if you're interested. Now, this verse also talks about Esau, and I think that's because he's the perfect picture of this. You see, whenever Esau experienced the, the pain of hunger, he just wanted it to end. So he took his birthright, something that had eternal value, and he traded it for the temporary relief that came from a bowl of soup. How can he be so short-sighted? That's such a bad trade. But I think that at a certain level, that's kind of what we do whenever we use entertainment or pleasure to, as a tool to avoid the good that God has for us in the midst of suffering, to avoid engaging with God in the midst of the hardship that we face, then we're trading something that has eternal value for temporary relief. So now we've talked about all three of these traps, the trap of bitterness, the trap of weariness, and the trap of apathy, and how these traps can keep us from overcoming adversity. But now let's, let's talk about what can we do to avoid these traps. If I could, I'd like to ask you a question quickly about what difficulties you're facing and maybe just more generally what you'd like to hear us talk about more specifically. If you could put a comment below about that so that we can see what it is that you would like to hear us talk about and maybe be helpful in that way. Now, as we think about how to respond to the suffering that we face, um, Hebrews tells us this. It tells us to look to Jesus and the way that he responded to the suffering that he endured. In Hebrews 12, starting in verse 3, it says this, 
Consider him who endured from sinners such hostilities against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. During his suffering, Christ set an example for us. Rather than choosing to become bitter, he chose to be reverent. He put his faith and his trust in the love and goodness that he knew that his father had for him. Rather than weariness, he chose patient endurance. And what that looked like was that he often drew alone to pray to the Father for strength to endure what he was going through. Rather than apathy, he chose obedience. He willingly offered himself to the Father's plan, even though he knew that it would lead to his pain. And whenever we look closely at our passage in Hebrews and how it teaches us to respond to suffering, it reveals a connection to all three of these things. In Hebrews 12, starting in verse 12, it says this, Therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but be healed. So when we face adversity, we choose to lift our drooping hands, and that's in reverent worship. And we strengthen our weak knees as we kneel to pray for his patience to endure. And we also make straight paths for our feet so that we'll follow and obey what he asks us to do. And like the verse says, this is what makes it so that what is lame may not be put out of joint. In other words, harm might not come from the adversity, but rather that it would be healed, that good might come from the adversity. And whenever we follow Christ's example in this way, then we are able to overcome adversity. But it's more than that. We don't simply overcome adversity. We come out on the other side better. We are perfected by the struggle. And it's in this way that that verse in Romans becomes true, that in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, we don't just simply overcome adversity. We are more than conquerors in it. Now, next time Monica's gonna join us so that we can do sort of a discussion video on this whole series on how to overcome adversity. We're gonna have a very honest and open discussion on what that actually looks like and what are the struggles that we experience in the midst of it. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell because you don't want to miss it.